0: All right, welcome. I'm Scott Duda, a partner with Cherry Beckert, and I lead our professional services group. We've got our next podcast today to talk about valuation considerations for professional service firms. With me is Anna Townsend. Anna, please tell the folks about yourself.
1: Hey, Scott, happy to be here. I'm Anna Townsend. I'm a partner in the valuation services group uh, for Cherry Beckert. And I actually focus on um, financial reporting, valuations, and particularly purchase price allocation. So excited to talk more about it.
0: So one of the reasons we're here today is the amount of activity that we've seen over the last 18 months. You know, there's been a lot of liquidity out there, and in particular, whether it's an A and E segment, whether it's a professional services firm, a fire suppression, we've seen uh, pool cleaning services. You name it. Um, Private equity is looking to make consolidations in various of these industries. And we've just seen a lot of activity. So one of the things we wanna to do today is talk about if you have a potential deal, the things you should be thinking about from a valuation perspective, or if you've closed a deal, the things that you should think, be thinking about before year end. And so we'll start with that. So Anna, talk a little bit about if you have an interested buyer and you're thinking about considering a deal What are some of the things that you should be thinking about? Some of the things you should be doing?
1: Absolutely. So you're exactly right. We are just seeing consolidation all over the marketplace right now. These roll up strategies of buying um, smaller professional services firms and rolling them up into a a larger um, platform. If you are, you know, approached and and someone's interested in buying, it really is time to round up the troops. There are a lot of things that you want to consider and you don't want to just dive in too quickly. So there's impacts of the deal structure um, that might impact your personal taxes if you do end up, you know, taking the deal. So you want to make sure that you bring in um, some tax folks and diligence folks. Um, Valuation folks, if you really want to understand, okay, well, they're telling me that it's this value. What does that really mean? Is that a fair price in the marketplace? Um, So really just bring in in your professionals and think through um, the deal structure and and the purchase price and just what is going to be asked of you as you start thinking about going down this uh, diligence path and, and, and deal path because you're going to be asked for a ton of documents and they are going to come in and pull all the skeletons out of the closet so you just want to make sure that you are prepared for that um if you are interested in being acquired you can go ahead and start preparing for that in advance sort of doing your own diligence your own quality of earnings on your financials so that you know where the skeletons are um before before the buyer comes in and finds them
0: yeah you know um i think about the deals that uh go well and the ones that don't and you're absolutely right with the skeletons or the red flags like you want to be upfront with that if you know for example that you've not been writing off some aged AR um, you definitely want to be upfront about that you want to go ahead and raise that as an issue you want to go ahead and uh, either record an allowance or at least communicate it um, you know finding things uh, through the diligence process that lets the buyer know that maybe there are other things that they haven't uncovered and, and it just creates all kinds of issues um the other thing that i would say you know as we've gone through this process is uh, especially if you've you've never gone through this process before and you're just starting with the first time um you will often think that the deal is closed and that you are at the finish line and you are not um, until everything is signed Uh, you know, at any point through that process, uh, either party can walk away. And so you know it's it's much better to really um, continue to do the work and continue to push to the finish line as opposed to start thinking about uh, you know what you're going to do once the deal closes. Um, So many times we're brought in and I'm sure you've seen this where uh, folks are already sort of talking about, you know, year end and the consolidation and covenant issues and whatever, and really they're barely out of the gate and the deal does end up falling apart. And so you just wanna, you've gotta do the blocking and tackling throughout the process. It's one step after the other and you've gotta do the work and not sort of put things, um, put the cart before the horse.
1: I, to add to that, we do find clients um, who get so wrapped up in the transaction and it's so much information that you're having to go through that you honestly lose sight of the business that you're trying to run and we see people's revenue and earnings sort of drop as a result of that um, so definitely trying to be, be multi-focused <laughs> and still run the business and keep it going smoothly so that if the transaction does close you're still doing doing fantastic and are ready to roll um, with the new firm
0: so that's if you're if you're new if you've got a potential deal those are some things to think about and really it's right Uh, bring in a good tax advisor Um, you want to understand the tax implications to everyone Um, make sure you understand the structure what's being acquired how that's going to impact the accounting um, and potentially any covenants those types of things so if you've already been acquired through the course of the year and we've had many clients and and we know of many firms that have um, or you have acquired another firm what are some of the things now the dust has settled you've closed deal. And you've you've gotten to that finish line. What are some things now, as we roll into 1231 year end, that maybe were put on the back burner prior to close, but you absolutely should be thinking about between close and calendar year end?
1: First off, congratulations. Uh, way to make it down that path and get to closing. Um, Unfortunately, you don't get to let the dust settle, not just yet. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, you do want to keep us as we said previously, keep those operations rolling. Keep focused on on running the business, Um, but now you're going to have a whole new parent company above you. A whole new set of reporting um, requirements potentially of what they are looking for. Um, You might have some bank covenants that you're going to have to keep up with. You're going to have an opening balance sheet that you're going to need to provide. Um, to the buyer and 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 to the selling parties as well Um, so there's sort of a lot of things that have to happen in a relatively short period of time depending on how the purchase agreement is is written so you kind of got to keep plowing through um, keep thinking through all these things and then you know one thing that you're going to have to do is create that opening balance sheet as of the acquisition date and it is best to go ahead and just keep that going so while you know I understand that it's busy, it's crazy. There's a lot going on. Um, the sooner that you can work through that opening balance sheet, while it's fresh on everyone's mind, everybody you know it was just part of that transaction. They know what's going on. They know the accounts at that point. Go ahead and pull in that valuation specialist to do the purchase price allocation, value intangible assets, look at purchase consideration, think about any. Um, Parts of Purchase consideration that might need to be valued, such as burnouts and rollover equity um, and really just kind of keep that progress and momentum going. If you are being audited, then when you go ahead and get that done currently now before year end, then that's going to help everybody when it comes to busy season when you're trying to get those year end books closed. If all that's already been reviewed, agreed upon, signed off, um, then you're going to be step ahead of the game when you come to do the year-end audit Um, one thing you want to consider as you go to that opening balance sheet is whether or not you might be eligible and want to take that pcc or private company council election in terms of your your opening balance sheet and the intangibles that you do and do not have to record
0: so you know you raised some uh, interesting issues there so uh i'm an auditor anna does valuations for many of my companies as they close uh on acquisitions and so we've had many discussions about these types of issues but you know she raised a couple of things that really um can bring some complexity to things the potential earnouts uh rollover equity um if those are involved the the complexity goes up exponentially on uh, on a deal and then you've really got to think about this uh from two perspectives the first is the audit perspective. You know, do you have an, a gap audit requirement? Are there covenants associated with that? Um, the good news uh, from an audit perspective is, and, and you know, this is one of the cards I often play, right? Is materiality. Um, we've got some flexibility on the gap audit side in terms of materiality um, level, but then you've got the second piece of that and the second piece of that is on the tax side. Anna mentioned purchase price allocations, you know all of that uh, has a tax impact both to the buyer and the seller and unfortunately uh, from a tax perspective there is no concept of materiality right so um, some issue that you may have thought you've dealt with because you had conversations over it um, you talked to your auditor and you all were comfortable with a particular approach then when you get around to tax provision calculation and ultimately tax filing um, either as the buyer or the seller those issues may raise their their head again because, again, you don't have that concept of materiality. So you know, you've really got to think about it, um, both buyer and seller side. You've got to think about it from a valuation side from the gap perspective and, and potentially thinking about materiality there. But then you've also got to think about that purchase price allocation, the tax side, both buyer and seller, and understand that there really is no concept of materiality there. Um, Anna talked a little bit about the PCC election, Anna, what are some of the pros and cons of maybe uh, electing that and, and whether you, you do straight gap or you do the PCC election? What are some of the pros and cons when you think about the valuation there?
1: Absolutely. We have a lot of clients for which the PCC election um, just really simplifies their financial reporting. So if you have a pretty straightforward deal where it was just cash and nothing else, <laughs> you didn't have any... Rollover equity, no earnouts, nothing um, sort of unusual. Then it can really take a lot of the hard work out of that purchase price allocation. You do not have to value customer relationships. You do not have to value non-compete agreements. So both of those um, just get subsumed into goodwill. And those are the two two of the hardest intangibles to value. So it really can save some time and effort. Um, and then on the back side, your goodwill. Um, is amortized. So if your company is kind of going along business as usual, things are going well and you don't hit any big pitfalls, then it makes that goodwill impairment test really a slam dunk. You don't have to go through the whole valuation process. you can just qualitatively step zero, hey, everything's fine, we don't we don't need to do any further testing for goodwill um the downside is really if you have any thoughts of going public in the future or any reasons that you might have to um, have a pcov audit public or public filing for any reason then you really just can't take this election and if you do and you become public then you're going to have to go back and sort of re redo it um in the end but if you, you know if you're just doing um an audit for bank purposes and the buyer is only concerned about sort of EBITDA and not those depreciation amortization type items, then that PCC election can be great. Uh, The one caveat is that it does not preclude you from valuing things like rollover equity and earnouts. And we see rollover equity all the time with private equity. They like everybody to have a little stake in the game. And so, as we sort of talked about before with understanding that deal structure, you know, if you receive rollover equity, you really wanna think about what it is that you're getting because oftentimes we see the private equity firm comes in and they have preferred shares and then the rollover equity is in common. And so just thinking through, okay, what what is the common really worth because this preferred is gonna get their money first and they they are guaranteed their money. Um, Whereas the common has to kind of wait a little bit before they get their money back. Um, So that's why you can't really just not value rollover equity after the deal and then earnouts will have to be valued every reporting period whether that's quarterly or annually so there's a few things that you can't really get around even if you take the pcc election
0: well that's great that's some great information um i appreciate you sharing that with us um as always uh, i think some some really good information i always learn something when i speak with anna um You all can uh, reach out to us. Our our contact information should be in the podcast information where you access the podcast. Um, And we we appreciate you spending some time with us today and look forward to being your guide forward. Thank you.